You've reached the Onkin Radio Podcast. Nick Onkin here, exploring the world from creativity, consciousness, and everything in between to help you alchemize your life to its fullest expression. What is up, my fellow Earthlings? Today, I'm excited to have today's guest on the Onkin Radio Podcast. He is one of my favorite musicians and kindred creative brothers, my man, East Forest. He has created music that has been monumental in my own personal journey through psychedelics and mushroom journeys. I've done many mushroom journeys with myself to his music, and it's been life-changing and transformative. He's a creative soul brother, and um, I'm excited to share with you this interview talking about creativity and healing and mindset and music is the muse of all other art forms and how music informs psychedelic journeys and healing and all the things he was out here in new york city did an interview a little photo shoot as well for the podcast here and talked about some really amazing things. He is up to some really big things in the world and healing in the process. He's done projects with Ram Dass before he passed and or transitioned and has an album with him, album collaboration. Uh, he's a, an album called Music for Mushrooms, which has been the one, the one that I've used a lot and quite a bit in my psychedelic journeys as well. So without further ado, I give to you East Forest. All right, guys, I am stoked. We have East Forest here in Manhattan or Brooklyn in the house. There's a difference. There, there is a difference. <laughs> welcome to the show and welcome to Brooklyn. Thanks, brother. Yeah, it's, it feels really good to be back in the city. I haven't even been here 12 hours, so <laughs> this is nice. It's a, it's a nice time of year to be here. Yeah, you you used to live here for what nine years? Ten? Yeah, almost ten. And I always joke that like you should get your key to the city at ten if you make it ten years in the city. <laughs> but I almost made it. And yeah, I was in um, Dumbo, not too far from here, for most of the time. And the city changed a lot since I've been away. But I also feel like it changed again through COVID. I feel like maybe the vibe is a little more humble or knock down a peg perhaps mm -hmm. i'm not sure but I'm still picking up on it yeah it's well it's interesting vibes right now i mean especially after you know just it feels like it's just being resurrected from the dead yeah i can imagine i know it really went through it you know like a year ago yeah from my friends were telling me and it sounded pretty intense so yeah, yeah it was definitely i mean i there was times i think back in like say like may or june mm -hmm. I, I would do bike rides around the city and like go into times square at like seven o'clock and it's completely empty that's wild which is wild yeah and you know there's also besides that it seems like a lot of actual hardship and people a lot of death and sickness and and not it's such a city where you know you're rubbing shoulders with people literally that it's such a seismic shift to think about like that's the issue is proximity yeah and yeah. i think that must have been particularly hard here yeah everybody's on top of each other and it's just like yeah so whether a subway or a cab you know and even if you're walking there's a lot of people around usually yeah so yeah, yeah there's a lot of awkwardness around in social gatherings still because you're kind of like hey right well what where are people at too everyone's sort of at a different wavelength 
Definitely, definitely. So yeah. you're from Oregon. Yep. Grew uh, up in Oregon. Part? Salem, Portland. Okay. And okay. after I left New York, I went to Portland okay. with my partner at the time and did a nice stint out there, which was awesome. It was kind of like the golden age of Portland, I feel like. <laughs> and then it continued to blow up. And then I went to Southern Utah to a town of 200 people. So it was just progressive steps down. And I also met my new partner, Rada, and she's in Boise, Idaho. So I kind of split my time oh. between Boise, Idaho and Southern Utah now. Okay. okay. I never thought I'd end up in Boise. Although it had, I hadn't been there. It had sort of an allure to me for some reason, just hmm. like the name of it or something. I was like, oh, I feel like that could be a cool place to check out. Or Yeah. Is it cool there? It's it's like a mini, I probably shouldn't say this because Boise people get upset because it's blowing, it's also really growing very, yeah. very quickly, yeah. but it's like a mini Portland. Okay. Or right, Portland might have been 20 years ago or something. Yeah. yeah. So it's much smaller, but really it's it's easy living, let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Uh, well, and a lot good. of outdoor access. Yeah, that's good. I, I grew up in Seattle. Of okay. All places. So you know the Northwest. I, know the I was Northwest. just there yesterday yeah. for a oh, wow. few hours. No way. I'll <laughs> it was <layover>. raining. <laughs> yeah, of course, as it, as it always does, which I could, that's why I had to leave. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I had a hard childhood with depression and mm. all sorts of things. And looking back, like now that I live in two places that are sunny most of the time, yeah. And you're like, that's the big problem is like so much sun. I really feed on it. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, I'm like, oh, I probably, my vitamin D levels were like bottomed out and I was eating <laughs> like a bad sugar diet and I was just destroying myself physically, I think. And I need, I need like a plant that's sun. And yeah. In Northwest, it's just, there's no, you know, for months at a time, it can be gray. Yeah. And then it becomes 50 degrees and the sun comes out for like a half a day and people are people like freak in out. bikinis, like sunbathing. <laughs> well, they also, you feel like this pressure when if you see, like I would, people get so ecstatic if it's yeah, 70s or 80s, once it starts to hit and yeah. you say, oh my God, it's going to be three days of sun. And you feel this pressure like, we got to, we got to go out. We got to do all this stuff because like, you know, we've been waiting. Yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Had to get out of there. I spent 25 years there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was good. How did you, I mean, you know, I want to introduce my audience to you because it's, you know, it's a different scheme of things, but uh, how did you, how, what was kind of your path into the spiritual, spiritual world and getting into plant medicine? Well, I was here. It was um, 2008. I mean, I was introduced to it, I suppose, like, through psychedelics was mm -hmm. my doorway into the inner world, I'd say. I've always been a kid when I was growing up who was looking for more and not satisfied with the standard model and story. And so I rebelled against it through being like the class clown or creative pursuits or just full or depression, another mm -hmm. form of rebellion, I would say. And I had had a few psychedelic experiences, but I had there's some of them were quite seminal and powerful, but I didn't really know what to do with it and, mm. and or how at all. I had no elders, no anything. And then when I was here in the city, it was probably in 2008. Were you here then? No, when I got here in 2009. Nine. So, well, 2008 was financial mm -hmm. crisis and Occupy Wall Street was going on. And so it was kind of a form of collapse. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways, some echoes to what's happening now as far as systems falling apart. That was more economic. Yeah. But it's precipitated by this overall feeling of 
while things falling apart and change wanting to happen. I think this is another wave of it, just yeah. a deeper wave that we're in. I think there'll be others more. Yeah. And in that time, I was finding that in my own life, like the things I was doing as a photographer, and it wasn't like anytime the economy, I don't know if you've noticed, it kind of rides like if the economy's doing well, people are higher. It's kind of an extraneous <laughs> oh, yeah. cost for businesses and people. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll spend a little extra on that versus like, let's tighten the belt, push those off. Yeah. yeah. I was doing portraits and mostly. Oh, cool. A lot of headshots. Yeah. Back when, I don't even know if the people who do actor headshots now because it's like, I didn't, but that was, you yeah. know, everyone needed them then and they printed them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they still need them now. Yeah. But that's definitely like an L.A. world, too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe here a little bit with Broadway, but. Yeah, well, it was a big, big business back then. Nice. And it was it was a great job. And I did music as one of my passions. Like, that was kind of my main thing that I was doing for fun. And, but things were kind of falling apart. And I was pretty disillusioned with being here in the city and fairly jaded. Wasn't really had for years, hadn't really been doing much in the city, you know, mm-hmm. just felt kind of tired. And it was when like ayahuasca was first sort of burgeoning on the scene mm-hmm. and I had some invitations and I was not that enthused by the thought of doing it or working with it, I should say. But it, my friends were f- quite persistent and it's just one of those perfect storms where I was discovering meditation and sort of meditating more to prepare for that. And at the same time, my band wasn't really working. And so I started just making music for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I've told this story many times, but basically I I, <laughs> I just started, it was all those things at once. Yeah. And it was a pretty deep dive pretty quickly. And I had this really powerful experience with making this new music with, my, with medicine, with psilocybin for myself. Mm. And that really was like, you know, the crystallization of this new project. It just it really was born out of that. All right, my friend, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. And it is one of my favorite brands, Organifi. Uh, as you know, I'm all about putting healthy things into my body and using different supplements and things to get the nutrients that I need uh, when I can't always have access to them through other means of vegetables and things like that. So one of my favorite uh, mixtures is something that I like to mix three of their products together. It's the pure, the red juice and the green juices. And it's a power pack of nutrients in the morning. Um, So I've been doing this every morning. And what's been great is I've been taking it on my travels so that I can keep some daily nutrients with me, especially when it's a very travel schedule. I don't always have access to foods that I want to eat. Um, so it's a great staple, great way to, um, bring things on the road. They have little travel packs too, which is perfect. So you can just drop them in, mix them with water and they're delicious. Less than three grams of sugar, uh, which is very, very little and it's all organic either way, no processed sugars. Uh, so the green juice, which is great is just, you get your daily doses, your daily dose of nutrients that you need. You just mix it with water. There's 11 superfoods like ashwagandha, morninga, chlorella, spirulina, turmeric, and much more. The red juice is a superfood berry blend that contains adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms, which is highly, highly beneficial to you. There's 13 superfoods for energy support like beets, blueberries, acai, pomegranate, Siberian ginseng, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. So it gives you a bunch of energy without the caffeine. 
Um, and then Pure. Uh, Pure is about promoting gut health and the morning brain fog is very helpful. It promotes healthy BDNF levels and mental clarity. For those of you that don't know what that is, I didn't. I had to look this up. Uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's the key molecule involved in plastic changes related to learning and memory. So neuroplasticity, things like that. Uh, what's great, it's infused with lion's mane and coffee berry. Got baobab from an African fruit that contains 10 times the amount of vitamin C that oranges do. It's got apple cider vinegar to improve gut health. Contains all kinds of other goodies like aloe vera, ginger root, monk fruit, digestive enzymes, and more. So you can go check this out, uh, Organifi.com. That's with an I uh, at the end, not a Y. And you can use the code ONKEN, O-N-K-E-N, for 15% off at checkout. And what was the first album that you did? So this record I, I made for a year without really realizing what I was making was called, it became The Education of the Individual Soul, which mm. is my first East Force record. And it's it's still free on my website for those who like to download music, but <laughs> it's it just was this really powerful experience and it's it became um, something that guided me through a journey and and that from there we built out like using that to with other people in journeys and then creating more music around it to guide a whole journey so yeah. then i started playing live to figure that out and what to play and how to play and then eventually jettisoned the album and just played you know and yeah. improvised for four or five six hours and over many years of that, that kind of created the musical language that is the backbone of what I do now. It was just, it was from finding a way to practically play for people yeah. in medicine space. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a huge, I mean, to do it live as well is a whole other feat, right? I mean, it was just practical. It's like we only had a 45 minute album. So we were like, we need more music. <laughs> and so I started just trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And, but it became a practice in itself because I would improvise and I discovered I, that was better because um, I didn't want it to feel like a performance or like this. I realized I couldn't plan it. That I started just to discover what worked. Yeah. And it, it was about giving over to something larger and allowing something to speak through and going through the waves and the flow with that, the ups and downs. And it was just recognizing what was working and what wasn't working with people. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was working. Yeah. So just kind of dove into it more and it really just kept developing. And so it feels, yeah, when I talk about it and like step back from it, it feels kind of crazy, but yeah. it's also the lineages of this I was trying to learn from ceremonies that I could attend to pick up on like old technology, whether it's San Pedro or Ayahuasca or Lakota Sweat Lodges, you know, whatever's yeah. out there. They're using technology that they've developed and I want to honor that technology by experiencing it in its purest form and not to extract from it, but to be inspired from it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I, I'm trying to just help people through a process with psilocybin that at least in our world, our culture didn't carry with it a protocol or ceremony from like in the way ayahuasca, it's very much typically inside a ceremonial container that has with it. Yeah. Uh, this technology has been developed or whether it's Peruvian or Santo Daime. Yeah. And so we're kind of, because there, we didn't have any methodology, we're like, I guess let's, let's try to create one f to use for us. And it's sort of this Western 
shamanic uh, mm-hmm. protocol that would just try to help that would work for us. Yeah. So how do you tap, how have you tapped into that, into like, you know, I, I guess it's interesting because like we, I just went to Arcana and we did, they had Shipibo shamans there as a 63 year old woman and they were singing these Ikoros, which were insane. And, you know, and I'd done ayahuasca a few years ago at another place, but it wasn't like the Shipibos and they're like channeling plant language yeah which is super interesting i guess how does that correlate into like what you're creating in a live setting or even just personally how do you channel the music into into a live setting like that in a medicine you know with a medicine and medicinal intention i mean i can tell you some things i do but the bottom line is i don't know how it all works Mm -hmm. but it's a lot about humbling myself and trying to get out of the way and clarifying myself to be open to those kinds of energies. I honestly don't do it very often mm. because it's so difficult or what not difficult. It's uh it's so taxing energetically. Yeah. And it it requires putting other things aside that frankly are not convenient right. into modern life and that's the only way I feel comfortable doing it. So you're probably familiar with the term dieta, like when you go into mm-hmm. an ayahuasca ceremony. And for those who aren't, it's like a kind of diet, a way of just like cutting certain things out to prepare your yeah. body and your mind, your soul. So I, my dieta for leading a ceremony is similar, I suppose, to a lot of other dietas of just like cutting things out. And really the, the moment I decide we're doing it, and it might be in the future, it, it's kind of the seed has been planted. I can't mm-hmm. ignore that. And now it's like, there's this awareness, yeah. which is a, a gift in a way because all interactions, there's no free lunch, like all interactions, even the thoughts in my own head are related to what I'm asking that is larger than just my mind to come in. And I can't be duplicitous and say, well, in this moment I can be a jerk or yeah, I can be unthoughtful with my words or what I'm putting in my body. And you know, it's like, well, yeah. how you, how's that work? You know, so, <laughs> and I'm no, I'm no perfect saint. So then you get into this friction where it's, there's always this awareness. You're not, you always could do more. Yeah. And really the work is me being okay with that. My right. humanity, mm-hmm. because I'm human right. and I'm just a guy. And so you step, it's, that's my, and that's my own baggage. That's my own trip right. to say that, oh, I'm not worthy or I'm going to be punished. That's me. It's not the world and the medicine in my mind. I see that as my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of doing my best to kind of clean up. And and I also have to do a lot of uh, rehearsal, mm. which is just a matter of getting fluent with the same gear I always use. But I know, any, I think any musicians would get that, but it's sort of like most people be like, well, you know how to play that stuff and you're doing the same thing. I'm like, I know, but it's it's like it's like doing any sort of exercise or you're getting ready for a race. Like mm-hmm. your muscles just want to be in shape. Yeah. Because when you're in that space, I, I when I start, I don't have any plan or I don't like I'm gonna I don't have songs to perform. Just like I don't know, I'm gonna just start. And one of the biggest things I'm rehearsing is starting just improvising. And when I feel like it sucks, to keep going. Because <laughs> That always happens where your mind's in there too. And just like meditation, you see those thoughts saying like, this is not good. It's not working. You're not, you shouldn't be doing this, you know, whatever that is, that noise. Mm-hmm. And 
returning, just keep returning back into the process and the flow and letting it develop and just let, just riding those waves. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so interesting and that's got my, I've been experiencing my own creative life is like how, you know, how do we tap in and, and be the, the midwife of creativity in the art? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think for the longest time I've been a photographer for so long, 20, 15 years. And, you know, so much of it's like this mechanical, you know, maybe like 3d sense of things and then tapping in, how do you like tap in deeper and let, let the universe flow through you in its artistic form. It's a both end, right? Yeah. So it's like you have to be allow the messiness and allow the struggle. I mean, if that's anything, I'm sure you've learned this too, over at the creative process in general is one of ups and downs. And so when the, the downs come, it's it's sort of just saying like, oh, there's that. Yeah. And knowing that it's like, and now it will continue flowing. And so yeah. it's, it's more like witnessing it as opposed to really attaching to it. Sometimes easier said than done, yeah. you know, but you know, just the other day, like I was, I got my piano tuned and I had this plan. I had this week before I came here and I'm like, okay. And there's various things I wanted to record and work on. It just wasn't happening. You know, like mm-hmm. everything, either I didn't, I couldn't get it, just nothing interesting would ever come out. And that thought comes up where you're like, this could be it, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you're done. No more ideas. You're, this is over. And it's like, I'm just like, yeah, it's ridiculous. This is sometimes there's not much there and you just keep hacking away, keep chopping wood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like hard to just find, like get that burst of inspiration or that burst of flow. Yeah. You have to keep pushing Very much. It. But showing up is kind of the main thing. And I think just, so how do you lead journeys? It's like the first, you just show up. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's probably most of it. And if you show up with a true intention and an open heart, you're 95% there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure the dieta or just, you know, it's if you can clean your, your body and your, your earth suit as much as you can. Yeah. You, you learn what you need to do. Yeah. You know, I, like I said, there's always more I could do always, but it's sort of knowing where, what my baseline is. And it's just, so I feel mostly mentally prepared and I I want some, I want to just be open to things that are all of us that's larger yeah. And also in a lot of ways not to overthink it. And so when I when I feel rehearsed, then I it quiets the mind saying like, oh, you're not prepared. It's like, no, I've been rehearsing. Okay, let's just, you know, I try yeah. to keep it this easy breezy in my mind. Like, let's just it's just another day. Let's here we go. <laughs> yeah, no it's big like deal. If you know no your, big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's just another day. And you know, if you know your tools and you know your, you know, how to use things, you can kind of tap into the flow as it when you yeah. get into it. I have a saying I say to myself as a joke, but I always say like another day, another dollar. And it could be like a ceremony or like some big gig or a small gig. I'm like, it's not my fucking job. Right, yeah. Let's go. You know? <laughs> do you ever, so this is like interesting. Do you ever dance? I mean, it's a dance, right? Between, you know, if the ego is our teammate, right? Especially as an artist, because so much, so much of like, you know, being an artist can feed the external validation, right? It feeds the ego. Yeah. You know, and then like the intention of service and, you know, like it's a dance between the two. How have you found that within your own life and world? Well, it's sort of a snake eating its own tail in a way. <laughs> like it feeds itself, but it's eating itself. So instead of judging it, because I do see that and I do see it, like I, I see like, I'm sure you share the similar traits in your personality that like behoove you to do like all this stuff you're doing you know like and so on one level 
it's it is helping fuel the fire. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of this picture of who you are, who Nick is, that helps you be who you are. But you could also look at that stuff and and judge aspects of it, and it could certainly get out of hand where it's self delusion or aggrandizement and so forth. Uh, so I think it's it's important to keep it in check, and it comes back to sort of your intention. And you know, I, I try to go back to the original roots of like those that first experience I had with that album that I mentioned, the, the education album, and how powerful that was for me and how I didn't need anything else after that. And just when it started to be shared with friends and community and how it was helping them, like how pure that felt Mm. and how I really, I may moved out of the city. I stopped doing all these things I was doing because I really just was like, well, I know, I know it really matters to me. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know that deep down. It's just how how many layers up are you? But it's there. You can connect yeah. to it. And we all tap into it from time to time. And so I try to tap into that and remember mm-hmm. because the more success or trappings, you know, the more carrots that are dangled in front of your face, like it can be really easy, I think, to lose your way. But at the same time, I think the word dance is the perfect word because mm-hmm. it is a dance and it's meant to be a dance. Like every day you're sort of re-navigating what are my stars? Like what's important to me that I'm navigating by? Because it's fun to like, like the point in a way is to weave through the system mm-hmm. and to, that's how you're in, really of service. If you're not in the system at all, I mean at all, then you wouldn't be even like connecting with the system, which is the public at large and other people. Yeah. So it's, it's um, on some level, it's just what, how deep do you want to go? <laughs> and that's a good question. You know, you know like you want to start doing deals with corporate, various corporations and so forth. I mean, that's where you're going deeper and deeper and you really got to put on your Jedi skills yeah. of what's important to me. Yeah. Especially when money's involved. Oh man. You know, really my, I've joked that my biggest nightmare is that McDonald's will call me and say, you know, we want to give you a million bucks to license <laughs> 10 laws. And I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. What would you do? I, I'd say, well, is it for a salad? You know, or is, you know <laughs> I always find an out. Uh, I don't know. I just, it's an example of, you know, when it gets deeper, it gets more real. Yeah. Uh, no, so I've, I've said no to things <laughs> that, you know, on the face of it, there's obvious value, but I'm like, it's not right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I mean, I've, I've been doing like campaigns for like when I first started, I was doing these campaigns for like Coca-Cola, these big pharma campaigns and yeah. Walmart and all these people. And then that a lot of that slowed down just the way the industry went. And then I went through my own spiritual journey and now I'm like, yeah, I don't think I would want to work for those guys. That's ever. what happened you to know? me, I'm man. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And I'm like, huh, interesting observation. Yeah, one of the last photo jobs I did, I was assisting and I was trying to start to work up at Hearst, like uh, oh, yeah. near Columbus Circle. And they have their own photo whole deal going on there, whole studio. Yeah. And I was thinking like, oh, maybe I can get into that. I had a friend who worked there and he got me in. And one of the shoots we were doing is for Seventeen Magazine. Oh, yeah. And they're shooting and, you know, the editors are the floor up. So they're at live, they're looking at the images and approving and like- Every single image that made it into that magazine, the body was manipulated, mm-hmm. you know, like shrunken or stretched to like every image. And this is of, you know, girls, right? Yeah. Young girls. And I, I suddenly hit me as like, oh my God, I am literally 
in the belly of the machine, the beast that is part of a big part of like the manipulation of images of women from the, from the seeds that are planted as <laughs> like, and I just, it just hit me as like, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so a lot of things were just hitting me at that time where it was kind of obvious is like, you just see is like, it's just, I don't really care. I, mean, I just can't, I can't stomach that. I can't, there's no way I could like give it 10 more years to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole interesting what society is creating. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, right? Like what society is crafting and the narratives that are being constructed. But yeah, I totally resonate with that. It's like, whoa, everything is Photoshopped. Everything is yeah. crafting this whole other. Well, and then you know, Instagram came out of that is probably a few years later or so. And you know, where life is literally through a filter Yeah, and everyone's their PR agent. You know, things just get weirder and weirder. <laughs> oh my god! I, I just, mean, that was before like <laughs> selfies were big, and like, or should I say, self-portraiture? You know, yeah, <laughs> like, self-portraiture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we knew someone like uh, my girlfriend and I were at a retreat, and someone said that they're like, oh yeah, my partner is like, what is what are her passions? I asked, and they said, well, she's very skilled at self-portraiture. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I got you. Self- Likes taking selfies. Sure. I got you. <laughs> oh my God. I just stumbled across this, this thing the other day. Apparently they have these social media houses that I, I was like. Like literal houses? Oh, yeah. It's like, you're like, mm. oh, like this is what our, mm. so our culture is turning into. And it's literally a house of like these people come in. I don't know if they live there or they go there and they're just creating like this content all day but it's like ah. it's, you look at you watch this video <laughs> and you just cringe it's like real world but oh, yeah it's worse than the real world it's like 10 100 times worse. well real world was like this harbinger of our future in a sense like you know it's called real world but it's not the real world but yeah. that was so fascinating to people and this big hit and that was really one of the first you know this progressive journey we've gone through there till we're at this place where like 24 7 it's about content for your life but it's all it's the whole point of it it's all like this fabrication yeah know, that other people like yearn for or something like oh he's driving the lambo or they're uh, they're this kind of show whatever it is yeah you know it's it's all maya it's right. all this facade and I, I don't know where it's gonna go yeah i mean it's i don't know if it's gonna crumble or if it's gonna keep keep going but i feel i feel on the flip side there's a lot of people also putting out content that is enriching and raising consciousness as well. So we do have that balance of the spectrum of, there's a lot of awake young young kids too these days because there is a wider spread of, of information and, and technology through that. Um, so I'm curious, but it's also, there's also the flip side. It's like that, it's that pendulum and dance, right? Yeah, I'm not as sanguine about it, but my friend and teacher, the man of the, 10 laws court johnson he it's it's much 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 more people who are deep in the asleepness of it like that's the mainstream yeah, absolutely but he would say like yeast is a small additive in a loaf of bread that makes the loaf rise like we don't need everyone on board to make this loaf rise of the, the consciousness and what is trying to or what is arising i should say mm-hmm. There's good people everywhere and there's millions of them and we don't need maybe even billions. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's a matter of, you know, a few hundred million is enough. And so 
that's where I hold on to is like the concrescence of what is arising and what can help us get through this. But it will not be the dominant culture like everyone on board. It will not. And the pandemic, if anything, showed us that. Like yeah. The deepening divisions that we're in, it doesn't give me hope about like our ability to coalesce as everyone essentially. Yeah. 9-11 was different though. And that's why previously I had this different vision of New York City it happened a few months after I moved here. I saw it happen. And I was in uh, Brooklyn on my roof. I took a picture of it, actually. Wow. I was just like, oh, my God. As I'm taking the picture, the towers are falling. That's why And you can hear it, and it's rumbling, and the fires. But everyone, I mean, everyone was talking to each other, was open, mm -hmm. like gangbangers to like rich dudes like on the subway, just being like stunned. Like, how do you feel? Like, what do you think? I don't yeah. know. I, Everyone, it was like no division that lasted about a week. And then, and the whole world too, mm -hmm. everyone took out a, a full page ad in the New York Times, like every country, like we're with you, like anything you need. Wow. I mean, there's this opportunity there. And then the Iraq war, you know, happened. But <laughs> I remember being on Canal Street and the National Guard started coming down. This is before like out of 9-11 uh, was when like flags became a big thing. Yeah. I know they're everywhere now. It's now it's sort of like a right wing thing. Mm -hmm. But it was back then, it was like this very like prideful, like we're Americans thing. Everyone stopped and started applauding the National Guard, like everyone on Canal Street. Wow. Like Chinese people and like white dudes and like black folk and everybody. It was just like, yes, thank you. Like, yeah. thank you for helping us, you know? And <sighs> so I was hopeful in a sense of like, oh, we can coalesce. Yeah. And then the pandemic came as like, it's felt so easy to coalesce around. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, it hits everybody, literally everybody yeah. <laughs> around the and world, like around the world. <laughs> and we couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, and nobody's out. And then we have more access to information. So there's narratives created. That's in the issue. Right? That's the issue. And then you talk about this divide of like social media and like how we're using these tools. Yeah. That's the poison in the pot right now. Yeah. Cause and you saw the social dilemma, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's on, on my podcast, you know, we talk a lot about social media and technology and guys like Tristan Harris. And yeah. this stuff is really, really important as far as looking at the spell that we're casting on our minds and, and the way we use our attention mm -hmm. and, and how we're really changing the way we think and how we don't even realize it. Yeah. And it's so in front of our face. You know, we all take, we all hold the greatest spy device ever created in our pocket. And pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a data mining system at a minimum. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, it's it's hypnotizing us. Mm -hmm. And I think we really need to take hold of our own consciousness to thread this needle. Like there's there's no other way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think we have to hold everything in observation because like there are so many different narratives but like what is nobody we don't know what absolute truth is the only truth is what's inside of us and what we feel but how much of that is also influenced by our thoughts by the information that we're taking in you know we're crafting we're constantly crafting an it's identity based psychology out of to that yeah i mean it's sort of this malcolm gladwell if you want to go that doorway of like what do we actually know or it's a free will argument mm -hmm. and i like to believe that I'm not as deterministic. Like I believe we do choose. I think we're influenced massively, you know, and maybe we don't recognize how large those influences are, but 
that mechanism of your choice is everything. It is the soul's journey. It is like the reason we're here. And so taking, taking hold of that gives you full capacity for, for, I think, like why you're here. Yeah. And, and so waking up to your agency and ability to choose is the point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely see that. I mean, for me, psychedelics have been obviously played a huge, huge role in that and like being able to separate from you know, detach from the ego, detach from this world in a certain sense. And like being able to integrate, you know, the integration is the dance of that as well and existing in this world. Yeah. How, like, how has that been for you? You, you know, you've done a lot of ceremonies, I'm guessing journeys on yourself like how have you danced with with that real like the i say like the 5d verse into the 3d you know and it's like a kind of a constant cycle if anything i think it helps me trust in a greater river that is let's call it law or the momentum of just the creation of the universe that we find ourselves incarnate in and trusting that i'm part of that river Mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm trying to move cross-stream or upstream, which is sort of what it would feel like when I feel more separate. The more of an isolated individual I feel, the more I feel that I'm now working against that stream because I'm trying to control something. Mm-hmm. The opposing polarity to that is me, this trusting energy of I am held into in this river whether I like it or not. And it's actually thank God I am because there's there's this benevolence to that of like the great mother of like the river is always at its beginning and its end at the same time. It's always just one thing and you're part of that, but it also has this momentum, this inertia, this kind of destination and a sort of regenerative cycle. And being a part of that is like, you can't fall out of it. And knowing that is something that's another word for it would be grace. Mm -hmm. Knowing that grace exists and having had felt experiences of it in these psychedelic states is a grace in itself. It's a gift that allows me to then walk through this sort of waking consciousness mm-hmm. and, and trust a bit more Yeah, because it's not easy <laughs> <laughs> and the world is very dynamic and going through this great transition. And so that's why creating music for me and experiences through this East forest project is a way of re- reminding myself like the music is a way of cultivating feelings where I remember that same feeling. It is the same feeling mm-hmm. of, of that infiniteness or that connectedness and that depth. And so by reminding myself, by making the music or performing the music, it's a human thing, that mm-hmm. feeling. So hopefully it's reminding others. And that's, that's another kind of snake eating its tail where it's yeah. like we're feeding each other. At the end of the day, that kind of witnessing or, or remembrance is, is a celebration yeah of life yeah and i don't mean that as like it's all just a party but i mean it in like a celebrating like the depth and the sorrows and and the process and the grace and the unknown the mystery itself is it's a mystery for a reason like yeah otherwise why would we be here right if we knew all the answers there would be no point to incarnation you know we're here to have experiences and to to learn on this campus earth mm-hmm. So uh, we all know with a capital K, mm-hmm. but we don't know with a little K. Yeah. You can't know. And that's, that's okay. It's the boundary conditions. Yeah. And the more, yeah, the more you surrender into it, the, and the more you surrender into the flow of life and stop trying to control it, the better, the more magical it becomes. 
and perhaps like the less painful <laughs> because yeah. it's that river. It's like, sure, you can build dams and direct the water and you can do that. Yeah. But there's a lot of forces hitting up against it. Mm -hmm. uh, that river can be quite strong. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes it's like, what systems and decisions can I do that are in line with what is? Mm -hmm. It's sort of a permaculture idea spiritually. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting, we're a lot of us are going through, well, it's kind of going through that right now with the pandemic and all this stuff. I think that, and it is a divide as we were talking about, but like it's causing a lot of cosmic bricks for people to like kind of wake up and see like, oh, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. And the same thing was happening back in 2008 and it's happened before where collapse begets change. And it's a kind of burning of the fields so that something new can be born out of that clearing. Yeah. And there's opportunity in that. But for each of us, it's unique. And I think it's important, too, to trust that which is emerging. And to, it takes time. Everything's a process. And I don't certainly know, even in my own life, what is emerging. Like, But I, I recognize my role to plant seeds in that fertilized ground. That's where, okay, things have been burned. There's an opportunity here. What do I want to plant and how do I nurture, attend that garden? And for me, that has a lot to do with, with trusting the process when things maybe aren't going so well, or I'm frustrated with certain processes, or I want things to go faster, or I'm grieving something. I don't, I don't always know, you know, but feeling that trust in, in a larger, like in being held as opposed to like, oh, I'm on my own. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can tell you that your music has definitely been a gift to a lot of people and what you've created. I mean, I've had even had a, a few other friends that are just like, oh my God, tell tell him how much to their, his music has changed my life. And so I just want to acknowledge you for that and what you're creating in the world, which is such a beautiful thing. It's been a huge impact in my life. I've had some amazing psilocybin journeys. Me too. too with, <laughs> with your music. And I mean, I, I you know, friend, it's funny because a friend of mine sent me grandmother's fear mm -hmm. and i literally just like turned it on spotify and then just created this whole playlist and i oh. was in this journey and it just happened to like spawn to this like beautiful beautiful space i've that's cool i'm grateful that it's connected with other people and that's just like a gift on top of a gift already i don't fully like the ai's way they create things off my music I personally have often not liked like what they <laughs> I don't like what the AI isn't quite get it yet but that's why I made records like the music for Mushrooms album where they're actual like where I'm like I'll just try to do the whole thing you know guide like yeah. a five hour journey yeah I mean that was the first the, the AI you know that that thing was like the first time I went into it and then I checked out um, music for it's Mushrooms the gateway drug oh, it yeah. is yeah yeah and it was actually New Year's Day I did a, a a journey at about three grams uh, my cousin he's got he does amazonians and literally i just turned on music for mushrooms and i like, laid in the bathtub in the shower and just like first four hours and it was a nice epic epic journey and you know i had, i've been doing plant medicine for a couple of years and this journey was just like this whole you know showed me that like the last two years have been about the healing and now it's just like, okay, we've cleared the earth suit, we cleared the channel or clearing the channel. Not mm -hmm. that it ever, it's ever over, but you know, now it's about ascending through a different space of consciousness. And like pff, that album was so powerful in that journey. That album was recorded 
in 2018, upstate from here, not too far at my friend's farm where we've been doing a lot of circles over the years. Mm. And it was a weekend of two nights and same process, just improvising and, and doing the thing. And then when it was done, I was like, well, I mean, I feel like I could take these two nights and there'd be enough material there to put together a record. And so I'd, we probably used like, because some of the stuff I'm doing in the room is not at the uh, keyboard setup, like I'm doing bowls or flutes. Oh, so okay. it's not recorded in the same way. And so I uh, basically just pulled the tracks from those recordings, which is just like off the little board, the mixer. And, and then probably it's 95% of what was there. Just took out a few things. You know, oh, wow. And then added in a couple, just a couple things, like some of those flutes that I was like, well, yeah. it happened, but we didn't get it. Yeah. What was the the flute in old ways? What it's kind a of Peruvian. No, I'm sorry. Lakota. Lakota, Lakota flute. flute. Okay. I have a couple flutes. Most of them are Native American from this guy called Eli Creations. Eli Creations. He's a Lakota guy in Washington. If you want a flute, I recommend his flutes. Maybe I'll have to get one. <laughs> I would highly recommend it. He They're pretty simple in look, but they, they a lot of them sound great. Yeah. And I have also one from Peru that's like a drone flute. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to make my own flutes. Really? I, I do carpentry, but I've never actually attempted making one. And I met a few people who make flutes. I even know now like people who could help me. Yeah. You know, with questions. Oh, dope. That would be amazing. I know. I'll do it eventually. You ever get into the harp? I don't play harp, but I love harp. I, I play a lot of like Mellotron harp on my Nord keyboard. Okay. Which I know it's a, a lot of people are like, I remember I was playing that once and I was like, dude's playing harp on <laughs> his keyboard. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's, I like plucky, those plucky sounds. It's yeah. Like a cool percussive sound. Yeah. The guy that was playing, he was playing a harp down at Arcana uh-huh. um, during a lot of the ceremonies. He makes them by hand as well, oh, which cool. is so dope. I, I mean, like the Kora too, which is an African harp okay. of okay. sorts. And there was a time where I was looking, when I moved to Portland at first, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I started doing construction as a day job. <laughs> I just wanted to learn how to build more. And I was looking at music thanatology, which is a degree you can get uh, to play music in hospice, but it's Whoa. only with harp. And I was like, I said to them, I was like, well, I'd like to do it with piano. And they're like, well, we only do harp. And so eventually I was like, well, this isn't going to work for me. But wow, I still like did some work in hospice, but I just did my thing. But I, it's a degree where like they teach you how to like, there's some medical things like monitoring heart rate and various things that you can watch yeah. if someone's totally incapacitated and then respond to that with the music. Oh, wow. So it's a music therapy degree, basically. But you you didn't actually take it, did you? Or did you? No, because I, I didn't want to pick up harp. I thought that was, uh, I mean, most of the part of it is just learning harp. Oh, so the degree <laughs> was actually taking. Yeah, you have to wow, play the okay. harp. Okay. Wow. Yeah, which I felt was a little on the nose. I was like, really? Does it have to be harp? I mean, it's yeah, like that's why does that playing yeah. when someone's dying? I mean, harp's great, but it's like, I feel like it's more just about the music. And yeah. it, it could be voice. It could be a lot of things. Yeah. Man, we did a 5-MEO experience at Arcana, and they, they were playing harp right in my ear. Ah. And it was, oh my God, it set me just, it was like pff, this whole bliss of everything. But wow. the harp was so intense and so beautiful. There's a little instrument called song pods that people should check out every time. I, they're little eggs, these little metal eggs. 
that are welded as one piece and they make these little tiny overtones if you put them right up next to your ears, especially uh. if you have two of them. And every time I use them on someone, they always say, what is that? And they try to buy one. They're a little <laughs> expensive, but it's sort of like a miniature metal egg harp in a oh, sense. Like, my uh, God, I'm going to check beautiful. that out. Yeah, yeah. The guy's yeah. a wild dude who makes them. But <laughs> websites from like the 90s, you know, <laughs> with like rainbows. And, yeah. But they're cool. It's so funny. A lot of those guys, just they just make it and they have like the worst like branding. and <laughs> Yeah. And then you know it's real. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'd be disappointed actually if he has a new website and it's all glossy and it's like yeah. a twelve week course on how to use the <laughs> to song pods and your ascension. <laughs> how to use it ascension course. Yeah. He's just more like he won't tell you how they're made or what's in them. And I love that. It's like a mystery and you know, I think he claims like the twelve grandmothers endorsed it or something, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> they probably said the same thing like what is that i like it yeah. i love that i love that yeah when you're making the well, when you made well i guess when you did music for mushrooms or you do these live things do you create is there a specific story arc that you have taking people through a journey like because obviously like you start and then it hits you kind of hit the what's the the apex or the the high end and then you it comes down and then yeah, the arc is, is informed kinda, by the medicine yeah. I take some medicine, so I I just basically am riding the, the vibe of the medicine and trying to allow that to speak to me. But there's also some there's some mental aspect of recognizing like where you know, what works from a sound healing perspective or mm. just how to entrain the brain and like or what's been done in other ceremonies and why. Yeah. And why why do a lot of ceremonies start with a drum or a rattle? There's a reason. Yeah, and and why does it end sometimes with that? There's yeah. also a traditional reason, but there's also a brain entrainment reason. Right. And right. certain types of music that help you at certain points. So some of that is sort of knowing where we're at. And a lot of it's just intuitive. Like one of the advantages of doing it live for a group is you just feel it. You're like, okay, I can feel. I just feel that we need something a bit more modal or major right mm -hmm. now. I need to like lift this or I need to be a little more hopeful. Or actually now we need a little tension. Mm. We need a little like we need to go in a corner here and come out, and so you're just vibing with that creative impulse, yeah, and, you, and trusting that. Yeah, I mean that's all there is is you trusting your own antenna of like what excites you. I think in all creative activity, that excitement, that bliss is the message. Mm. So it's just listening for them. Like, okay, I'll go there. Ooh, there. Okay, sure. Oh, let's go this way. Mm. That sounds good. Ooh, that was fun. It's a playfulness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the shamans that I've enjoyed the most, there's this playful energy that they bring with the music and uh, the universe has that playfulness. Yeah. It's, it has, it's also law and it's very strong, but it, there is most definitely uh, the cosmic joke mm -hmm. and this, this, this sort of trickster energy to, to it all. And so it, it's allowing that to be a part of your inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. Are you able to share some of those reasons of like, say like starting with the drums or? Well, it, it's in training the brain. So it's mm -hmm. inducing the trance. Uh, it's a way of calming in essence, but also opening a portal of your consciousness mm -hmm. by getting into different wave wavelengths of your, your mind. Mm -hmm. So a rattle will do that. I mean, I think that's why four on the floor music exists, even because the first thing in the womb is your ears come online and you hear the heart rate, heartbeat of your mother and yeah. probably yourself. So, I mean, the drum is, is in our bones. Yeah. Uh, so that stuff just kind of helps you cross the barrier and it's sort of classic shamanic journey 
using that to cross over and come back. Mm. So it's sort of a, a thread that takes you across. And it just feels, and I don't always do now. Like I've, I try to also not just like stick to a script. So actually, if I think about it, like the last few journeys I did, I did these journeys during the pandemic that were live streamed. So I never would have thought of doing, mm. but you know, opportunity begets the situation, I suppose. Right. And so we just sort of did it as an act of service. And I don't believe I started with a beat if I'm thinking back, but I don't, I don't know. You just kind of vibe with what you feel is needed. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You make up rules and then throw them out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like I guess that's all art, right? You learn the rules and you throw them all out and you dance with the universe. And you make mistakes. I mean, maybe I forgot sometimes and (laughs) then I look back and I'm like, oh, that would have been helpful, but whatever, you know, you've, you do your best and I've just tried to flow with the inspiration. And that's where that rehearsal, the Russian word for rehearsal is repetitia, Mm -hmm. repetition. And that's really what it is, is a form of fluency by repeating something, whereas it, you don't, it's not so much like, should I do this? Should I do that? Or do I need to remember this or that? It's just all the kind of there. Yeah. And you can just trust that what needs to come out will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, such a beauty of, you know, the dance of art, right? Is like learning the tools and understanding them and then just dropping into that flow state you make mistakes sometimes but like i think some of the most beautiful art comes out of even mistakes yeah for sure which is, is such an interesting have you seen flow or not flow soul flow. the movie the movie the disney one yeah yeah it's uh, beautiful uh, I, I don't know if you've read the book journey of souls which is a book i love you should check it out okay. briefly it's michael newton who is a hypnotherapist and he developed a kind of hypnotherapy that's essentially pretty really deep and in doing so his clients were talking about this sort of life between life space a sort of soul space which at the time he claims struck him as just weird but this kept happening and over time he kept logging and it became a book and it's like everyone's talking about the same stuff you know (laughs) and i watched soul and i was like yo whoever made this movie (laughs) this is basically journey of souls like they're into that book and i was like i vibed that book so i was i was was appreciating that movie a lot yeah it was so cool i mean to see like you know the whole idea of creative getting into flow and getting into creative flow whatever that means to you if that's spinning a sign on the side of it that was so (laughs) that was beautiful so funny and so right on yeah (laughs) they nailed it i was like wow disney put this type of movie and and the music aspect of it like the way john baptiste's hands playing the piano and they just like it was literally i'm watching it's like those cartoon dudes that is they are playing this stunning music now it was jazz i mean i I love jazz Hmm. i was like it made sense to me that that was the music that they were representing because that's all about like the communication and ultimate openness Mm -hmm. and and improvisation. And then that song he wrote (laughs) in that moment where he really loses himself. Yeah. uh, Yeah. was stunning. I was just like, Oh my God, they nailed the music was on that song. I was like, it could have been like cool. It could have been, it was an amazing piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard when in the script, it says he plays the most amazing piece ever, you know, <laughs> right. then you have to write it, you know, it's like, yeah, they did it. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, I was very impressed. I wonder if Jamie Foxx played that, played that, actually played the the piano. I think John Baptiste did. Oh, John Baptiste. I saw a piece okay. on how they made it and how uh, they did there's okay. this new revolutionary technology in how they actually filmed the hands and how oh. they had, there's like the number of elements of movement essentially 
and how it has grown from Toy Story to now. And it went from like 50 to 1,000 to like, you know, hundreds of thousands. Oh, I mean, wow. it's just the complexity of what they were doing. And that's why when you watch it, it just looks like, it's weird. It's like a cartoon hand, but it looks like a real hand because it's extremely complex. Yeah, yeah. And they just got it down to the micro movements of him actually playing that piece. Yeah, that was so beautiful. It's funny because I watched that movie right like a week before I did the that New Year's Day mushroom journey. Oh, wow. And so I was getting hits of some of the scenes and some of the ideas throughout the Dude, journey. Read Journey of Souls. All right. You'll dig. It's an easy, short little book. But... <sighs> Yeah, that was a great movie, man. And they <laughs> so even good. had like, do you did you see Duncan Trussell's Midnight Gospel? I've been watching a little bit of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. Well, you know, every time he goes into the vagina simulator thing and then it shoots him <laughs> out to the planet, it goes, it's like the 80s music. Well, they had that as like, oh, there's this whole Midnight Gospel thing going on too, where they like fall down to the earth and it was like the 80s synth music. And it's like, which is happy for Duncan. So <laughs> <laughs> Duncan Trussell, he's another psychonaut too. Yeah. 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 How, how have your mushroom, your own, do you do journeys by yourself or just on your own? I have uh, lately. It's the past, past few years is more, more like with my partner. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it's just more like too. an intention. You know, we, it's, it's always in that ceremonial container for me just because I, with mushrooms in particular, there's no other way for me to imbibe or experience it. Absolutely. And if even if I were to be like with friends and they're like, we're taking mushrooms, it would just turn into that for me anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't do that. It's I learned that the hard way many, many years ago. Yeah. It's it's a it's an ally for me and a teacher. And it's sort of like we spoke about with the energy you bring to it when you just sort of know you're gonna do a journey. It's like you know that mm-hmm. in your body. So it's the same like I feel like this sort of ambassador emissary with the mushrooms and it's like, I want to keep uh, my respect yeah. and gratitude yeah. because I feel like I'm working with that medicine all the time, Yeah. even though I don't put it in my body that often. Yeah. And like I, I do a lot of these podcasts where I'm, you know, I know that I'm out there as like a PR agent for mushrooms. <laughs> and so I'm very conscious and careful about saying what I don't know and what I know just yeah. from my own experience. And that's all I can really talk about. Yeah. And I don't want to be cavalier about it. As we spoke too about the line between commerce and art and spirituality. And that's a that's a, a blurry line. And it, yeah. it also I don't want to take advantage of the grace that's been given to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I, yeah, I mean, they're, for me, they're absolutely ceremonial as well. And it's, I'm humbled by, I mean, more than anything, it's just oh. like the power is just like, I don't know. So I, I am not going <laughs> to pretend to, to say it's this or it's that or, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I mean, I do know that they're highly sacred and highly, you know, and that's why yeah, everything's always ceremony. I've been doing them. I do mine a lot with, I mix it with cacao. Well, there's there's a traditional lineage to that. From what I've learned in, in certain Mexican traditions, you know, before it was even Mexico, uh, it was taken with cacao. Mm, and often as you take the mushrooms, and I was heard as like, you know, don't chew the cacao with your molars even because it's not food. Mm. It's, it's, it's another form of medicine. So it's almost like a chaser. Mm. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you get the heart opener, which mm-hmm. is great. And then, you know, what's interesting is I, I did, have you ever lemon teched before? 
No, what's that? So I did it last a week, a week and a half ago. And it's, you basically soak, you grind up the mushrooms and then you squeeze lemon juice on it. And then it like basically extracts, it's almost like ceviche. Oh, well, I guess we have done that. I didn't know it's called lemon tech. Yeah. But lemon, yeah, the citrus. Yeah. But passion I, flower extract too. I've, oh, I've heard of that. It's from, from anecdotally, it can really amplify things. Oh, interesting. I'll have to try that one. <laughs> if you want to amplify, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I did I did a couple grams with Lemon Tech. And, it, you know, interestingly enough, it was like more cerebral. It almost felt like a little bit more LSD-ish um, and less I, heart. I, I think like it's sort of like when you smoke weed and everyone's like, this weed's this and this weed's that. I mean, at the same time, it's all weed. And But I noticed with a lot of journeys, like they're all different, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be hard to say that Lemon Tech's always so cerebral. It yeah. may or I don't know. Yeah, but maybe it maybe probably not. is that you know relates to your intention and what you're bringing to the journey itself yeah. and what you get, and it can be very different from time to time based on also your just set and setting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Set and setting is so important, and music, music is the journey. It's it's so yeah. crazy how that works. Well, you're singing to the choir, but uh, <laughs> that's kind of been my main message that I bring out there to people and research institutions and new apps and all these different developments is that the music is the journey. I mean, that is not just like it becomes the journey. (laughs) It does. And so it kind of befuddles me that it's not a bigger interest or role. You know, I I, I don't get that. And that's, that's honestly why I put that mushroom album out is because we'd been over 10 years of developing our own protocol through music Mm. And I had been releasing music that was the same thing, like my other albums. I just didn't say what they were. Mm-hmm. Not all of my albums, but some of them are literally the same thing from Mushroom Ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And But I thought in 2019, I was like, I have this record, this thing from 2018. It's time to put something out and really say what it is mm-hmm. and come out of the closet, so to speak. Turned out that was the year that everybody came out of the closet. <laughs> Michael Pollan's book came out like the same month yeah, I released yeah. in, in Denver is, and Oakland's initiative were the same week. Yeah. And that was all just serendipitous coincidence. But yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. pretty important. I mean, ha- yeah. Have you, have you ever had the experience? I mean, I've had, I've done like five grams, four and five grams before and like blasted through the ceiling of like narrative and language into a space where I was like, I became the music. It was just like, I was colorful. There wasn't even an I, it was just like the isness of what is. Yeah, the music can really become a sonic architecture. Mm-hmm. And it's the space you're in, or perhaps even you know synesthetically become mm-hmm. the space in the music. So I think it's incredibly important to have that intentionality on what that music is. Yeah, And as you experience, as you said before, the Akaros, from their perspective, from what I've heard and learned firsthand is they say it is the ceremony too. It is the songs are calling forth the spirit and the medicine. Mm-hmm. Without them, we don't have it. It's not just you take the ayahuasca and sit here. It's like, no, no, no. The Akaros is the mechanism, is mm-hmm. the technology. And that's why I thought with psilocybin, I wanted to develop a, a form of musical technology that spoke to our Western ears. So the constituent parts of the music are familiar to you, not just the instrumentation, yeah. but the the harmonic structure. And you know, the, you're like, yeah, I've been hearing this all my life. You, uh, this is a familiar world, as opposed to I'm I'm playing just a rattle for an hour, and you're like, it could be quite powerful, but also might be like, 
whoa, I'm not, I'm not on my feet of like familiarity as mm-hmm. maybe you just grew up listening to the radio and so forth. So I wanted to create something of like of our musical language yeah. that also took from what works from the mechanisms of ceremony yeah. and put it together. Yeah, I mean it's powerful and beautiful, and I'm grateful for uh, for what you the art that you're bringing to the world, man. It's it's so powerful, and I just acknowledge you for the difference that you're making in this world. And I know it's a lot of people have been sharing, and I think now on this this rise of of psychedelics, and it's even bigger space to play in. Yeah, I just, I, there's a new record coming out that's a volume two from the music for mushrooms. Oh wow! And it's from the ceremonies from the pandemic. I put together essentially from those recordings, which I did the same way. I took a little medicine and improvised. Mm-hmm. But this album is called In, I-N, a soundtrack for the Psychedelic Practitioner Volume 2. Mm. And that comes out in the fall through Cash App Studios. Okay. And it also will be featured inside Field Trip. Is a, okay. Uh, has an app called Trip. Yep. And it'll be on their platform probably by the time this comes out. So you can Amazing. hear it there first. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely have to try some journeys, some new journeys. Yeah, yeah. It's a two-hour album, and it is it is from the psilocybin space, but it also was developed for ketamine therapy. Uh, now, these albums, including music for mushrooms, could be used for whatever. I yeah. mean, you don't even have to do any medicine. You could just put it on or use it for anything, dance, relaxation, yoga, kids art classes it's all good <laughs> uh, so i don't want to think like oh i i can't use that for breathwork or something else you certainly could but this one was designed for psilocybin and ketamine yeah have you done ketamine before yeah and the reason this came into my life because my partner rada is a ketamine therapist in uh, in okay, boise cool. idaho for the last year and a half or so and so it's kind of a new thing for her and so i had the opportunity to not only like be in those therapy sessions myself and doing the work, mm-hmm. which were extremely beneficial and powerful, but then because we're going in like twice a week for like six weeks at a time, I could test out the yeah. stuff. That's kind of why that was what I had in front of me. <laughs> so I was like, hey, can we, you know, I, I made some changes to the record. Can we try it with the group tonight? And yeah, and we, I just kept tweaking it. Next thing you know, I was like, well, it happens to work very well for ketamine. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> like that's very amazing. well. Yeah. Oh, so they're doing group ketamine therapy. She might be one of the only people doing that. And even during the pandemic, we all had masks and had like an air filter and the window open and, <laughs> and no one ever contracted uh, COVID through that. Wow. But it was small groups, six yeah. people. But something really beautiful about, you know, I mean, that's to me, that's familiar. Like psychedelic experience being in, in small groups is sort of the way it's done. Yeah. And it's also sort of like community acupuncture where everyone's in a recliner mm-hmm. and then you can it's cheaper and you can treat lots of people at once it's yeah. like that like the cost can go way down per uh, person okay. because it's not one-on-one yeah yeah that's, wow, that's I, I think it can help with accessibility especially with ketamine because the biggest expense is the therapist right it's, it's a lot of time for oh, someone yeah. who has a lot of expertise and you want to have this work be available for people it's not just a cost barrier yeah, yeah. I mean, especially, it's powerful work. I mean, I, I would, I believe in it more than any other type of modalities, really. Um, yeah. I mean, there is a lot there. of potential. Yeah, definitely, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I mean, I feel like we could keep talking for a long time, but we'll, we can wrap it up here and uh, just, you know, what, how can people support you? Where can people find you? Well, 
eastforest.org, not .com, eastforest.org is just, you know, the central portal, whether it's to link you to social media or I have a, a podcast, which is called the 10 Laws Podcast, which is probably similar to your show. Mm-hmm. And I have a Patreon where if people want to, that's a, one way to support the project or just go deeper. It's patreon.com slash eastforest. We do retreats, you know, live performances. And of course, the backbone of it is the music. So mm-hmm. anywhere you listen to music, the, that in album will be in the fall. But right now I'm releasing an album called Possible, which comes out in, it's halfway out sort of every few weeks more <laughs> comes out. But it'll, the whole thing will be out in July. And it's wow. vinyl and all that stuff. And you're just cranking music out left and right. Yeah. I yeah. It. I mean, I love it. What else is there to do? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It is buried in the lab, in the studio. Yeah, a lot of music, but it's, I think people are so used to so much content coming out and the music industry, it's a whole other conversation. It's just such a dynamic world. Yeah. And so it's it's a playground for innovation. And I think a lot of people look at, you know, you can release things in different ways now, mm-hmm. progressively, or like maybe there's some B-sides or there's instrumental versions or I do a lot of like collaborations too. And so there's a lot of those things on the side. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Amazing, my brother. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me in in the crib. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast with my friend East Forest. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast at. Uh, so many platforms, so many things. And um, you can check out the show notes to get any links that we talked about and all the things all the things. Uh, If you want to learn more about Identity Alchemy, a program I have coming out, you can DM me over at at Nick Onkin on Instagram. Just DM me the words IA. And with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. We'll see you next time.